0: The center penalty coming up. Look at the view. Oh, my goodness. What a goal.
1: What a move. The view. Oh, baby. There's a mistake in a true.
2: Okay, fans, you are tuned in to Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show, Season 3, Episode 21. I am co-host Tom, and I've got with me, as per the use, he's just got out of the penalty box. Pretty rare. He's uh, tapping his stick, though, because he's uh, all alone in the neutral zone. It's co-host Randy. How you doing today? Doing great,
3: and isn't that one of the most exciting plays when the guy sp- springs loose from the penalty box and gets a B-way and scores?
2: I love it, yeah. And, you know, like, I um, I always... I spent a lot of time in the penalty box. I always kind of hoped that would be me, but uh, my foot speed, uh, not quite... You know, I've had, like, three breakaways my entire life. So.
3: That just reminded me of something. Remember that time when you were in the box and I shot the puck and it almost hit you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> heads up yeah yeah Coming for, the in listeners, for the listeners if you uh, don't recall that story from probably oh, uh, a season or two ago i was in the box for uh you know the usual and uh randy's clearing the zone on the penalty kill and he rifled a wrister <laughs> <That> just <laughs> well it came right at me i had to duck and it hit the glass where the scorekeeper is and she was a little startled too but uh Anyway,
3: but she was so, just checking Facebook, so yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no harm, no foul. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: Good times in the ASHL. Uh, yeah, so you're tuned in to episode 21 of Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. We've got a really great episode for you today. Uh, Grant Lawrence joins us for a, for a really fun little chit chat. Grant is a uh, CBC host. Uh, formerly of CBC three, I think now it's just like CBC music. Um, He's also done like, uh, you know, local BC, uh, Vancouver, BC, CBC stuff. That's a lot of C's and B's right there. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he's an author, of course, uh, one of his books being called the lonely end of the rink, which is uh, sort of a tale of his life in hockey. So we'll be chatting with Grant coming up. And, uh, yeah, you don't want to miss that. So for sure. Stay tuned.
3: Would you say that he's the former singer of the smugglers or are the the smugglers still active? I think they're not as active. So
2: no, they exactly. Yeah. That's one, uh, one piece of the resume I left off there is that, yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say former, I'd say the the singer of the smugglers because they just did a reunion. I don't know if you want to call it a tour, but, uh, They did, like, a couple reunion shows in the last couple years here. And, uh, you know, I think they'll probably do some one-offs now and then. So, um, But, yeah, famous 90s uh, garage party band kind of thing. The Smugglers from Vancouver, BC, Canada. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. So, uh, before we get to that, though, we got to name this episode, as we do on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. And uh, Season 3, Episode 21, Randy, I'm going with... The Carboneau, Guy Carboneau, the longtime captain of the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And then he went on to play for Dallas and uh, he played, well, you know, basically Montreal and Dallas were his, the, there was a pit stop in St. Louis. Um, Guy is a three-time Stanley Cup winner, twice with Montreal, once with Dallas. He was a, he's a hockey hall of famer. Um I don't know about controversial, but there was a little bit of chit-chat when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you remember that, eh? Because it was kind of like, he wasn't like a guy who put up a a lot of points in the NHL. He scored, you know, 663 points over 1,318 games. Um, And most Hall of Famers are like very prolific scorers, if you will. And uh, Guy was kind of like the premier two-way... Yeah. Forward, the shutdown forward, third of the or 90s. fourth
3: centerman kind of thing, third or fourth line centerman. Like that, yeah. like that's what I think of when I think, you know, he's the guy that you put on the ice to kill penalties and to uh, to win faceoffs.
2: Well, and- in that series in '93 of the Habs and the Kings in the Stanley Cup final, it was Guy Carboneau who just shot Wayne Gretzky down. And uh, that was a big part of the the Habs winning the cup that year, which was the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. Nineteen ninety-three, crazy, um, but yeah, he was um, definitely uh, one of those kind of exactly like the, the the premier sort of third line center or whatever. Are you on um, his hockey
3: DB right now?
2: Uh, I could be.
3: Did you know <laughs> that when you click the picture on Hockey DB, it scrolls through all the different pictures?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did That's know that. Sweet, eh? I like that feature. Yeah, um, it's a great feature. Uh, so, yeah, like all their sort of team portraits at Head the beginning shots, yeah. of the season. Yeah, yeah. The headshots. Um, so yeah, he was like, a, a certified star in junior, like scoring scoring star in junior hockey for the Shakutami Segen. in his final year of junior, he scored 182 points over 72 games. And, you know, he had, he had a bunch of points in his previous seasons too. So, but he, he translated his skills in the NHL to sort of stick in the NHL as like that two-way forward guy. And um, I remember him for, you know, a few reasons. I was a big Habs fan when I was a kid, so that 93 Cup was huge for me. But the thing I remember about Guy, aside from, you know, like just the C on his shirt, was those blue skate blade holders. Those were I wanted those when I was a kid. I was like, but I don't think they sold them in churro, so I was like always wanted a pair of those, but um, you were saying also, Wayne had some I remember too. I
3: remember Wayner having them, and I'm sure I think another couple guys from from the Oilers, yeah, but uh, you gotta think though, if you were rocking a pair of those these days, man you'd be the you'd be the king.
2: get them on like white skates uh (laughs) and be like giant tongues yeah white
3: gloves yeah (laughs) yellow laces
2: (laughs) (laughs) that would look pretty sharp for sure i'll just give you a couple more facts here right off the off the hop here so he um he co-owns the and he was their uh he was their coach and manager for a while but step down. You also coached the Montreal Canadians. I totally forgot about this Coached the Montreal Canadians for, for a hot minute. And, um, uh, and then, you know, got fired. Um, but uh, yeah, he's kind of, I don't know what he's up to now, to be honest with you. I think he just um, live in life as a, as a, as a retired NHL player, but here's, here's a, let's, let's have a couple honorable mentions um, of 21s. And, uh, so here's, we are just going to go right down the list. There's how about Stan Mikita, my dad's favorite hockey player ever. And Chicago Blackhawk legend. Donuts how about, from Wayne's world. How about, uh, Peter Forsberg, probably one of the most talented 21s. I would think so.
3: Yeah. Silky yeah. mitts.
2: Yeah. Um, B- Bior, Biorier Solming. Boria. Borgia, okay. Borea
3: Salming, yeah.
2: I used to look at his hockey cards when I was a kid and think Borgie Salmon. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> but he was like one of the very first Swedes I ever remember yeah. seeing, like uh, totally. hockey card. Him and Thomas Dean, obviously, but yeah, yeah he totally. was he was prior to Tomas.
2: Yeah, Yurke um, Lume. Speak so. Grant Lawrence, our guest, is a big Vancouver Canucks fan. Yurke Lume was a longtime Canuck, wore number twenty-one. And then here's a couple just fast facts where Danny Grant from Fredericton, New Brunswick, he was a a, a scoring star in the like seventies, sixties for Minnesota when they came into the league. And the reason that I say him is because I think if you look at his hockey DB profile pic, I think he looks like James Franco a little bit. And also Danny Grant did win the Calder trophy in his rookie year for Minnesota. So um, kind of a fun back for you there and then uh other guy another 21 fred saskamuse we these are guys we've talked about on the show before we've talked that's about, right yeah uh so fred saskamuse he played 11 games for the chicago blackhawks in 1953 54 and he wore number 21 and and the reason mm-hmm. that he is of note is he was the very first ever indigenous player to play in the big show um and yeah he wore 21 and Blaine Stoughton, last guy I'll mention. Ah. We've talked about Blaine before. Yes. Um, classic Manitoba guy. There's a clip on our on our Instagram of him talking about training camp, and he's just like, Oh, I'll let all the young guys do the work. I'll stand in front of the net, bang a few home. I'll get my legs under me eventually, kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, and he's
3: he's from Gilbert Plains, Manitoba, where my right. fa- family hails from. But Tommy, right. Tommy, Tommy, we're running out of time here. prior okay. like Going to our Grant Lawrence interview, so
2: okay, we want gonna- to talk some Jets. <laughs>
3: No, we're going to preempt that. We don't have okay. enough time for that. So we'll have, to, we'll have to do that next week. What we will do though is we got a couple of minutes. Let's just run down the the great guests we've had so far and, and yeah. the guests that were are guests guests that are coming up. So you, uh, take us down the list. Uh, first of all, we had Ken Reed, and just t- yeah. talk about uh, how did how did we line Kenny up there?
2: Well, basically, just slid into his DMs. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as it were, just like Ken's a, Ken's a awesome uh, television personality and he's a fellow Nova Scotian. Um, and uh, he's big into hockey cards. These are all things that we like on talk of hockey and, and yeah, it just seemed like a match made in heaven. So yeah, if you haven't heard the Ken Reed episode, go back in our archives and check that one out. It is a beauty. Um, and right last- after that, Last
3: week, we recorded Eric Melvin, which we haven't released yet.
2: Correct. Um, That'll be coming out next uh, next week, basically. And um, who, else, Eric-
3: who, else, who else do we have in the hopper? We're down to a minute here, so we got keep, to keep the train rolling.
2: Who else? Coming is up uh, after our Eric Melvin is Chris number two from Anti-Flag. So Eric Melvin, of course, of no effects. Um, and then Chris number two of Anti-Flag. We've also had Russ Rankin of Good Riddance. So, uh, you know, we could make a punk rock super... Punk rock, like, I don't know what the word, like the, uh, a team, you know what I mean? We've got a goalie, Grant Lawrence. We've got Russ Rank and Eric Melvin. Um, Chris number two is coming. Chris number two. Chris Hanna probably coming up soon. Don't want to don't want to presume there, but uh, looks like we're probably going to get Chris Hanna on. And, uh, you know, we've also had um, some other great guests like uh, – Jason Goulet, former pro hockey player and owner of No Name Hockey, been on the show. So go back in our archives. Make sure you check all those out, and um, they're they're all there for your listening pleasure. And right now, here we're going to throw it to a song by the Hanson Brothers, Canada's premier hockey band. We talked to the Zambonis last week. Um, This is "Get It Right Back" by the Hanson Bros.
0: You get hurt
2: Grant, welcome to the show. Uh, great to have you here.
1: Thank you so much for having me on this uh, amazing hockey podcast. This is my, the first ever hockey podcast that I've ever done, and it's been a dream of mine to do one, because I used to be the guy who would call in all the time on the radio shows okay. and yell about McGilney and your <laughs> and- And stuff like that. And so uh, I've always uh, loved sports and I've always loved hockey and I've never really uh, had an outlet to talk about it that much. I did a little bit um, a few years ago when I put out a book about uh, being a goalie and stuff like that, but I haven't for a long time. So I appreciate this opportunity.
2: Well, it's our pleasure. So I I guess, well, why don't we just start off with treating this like a call-in show What's your hot takes on this year's Vancouver Canucks? What is going on wow. with the Canucks? I mean, they've, they've recently slipped into last place in the north with uh, I, I two straight losses that. to Ottawa.
1: I noticed that. Like, basically, the most recent series, I think it was a four-game series uh, against Ottawa, that was pretty much the make or break as to whether we are going to make the playoffs or not. And it sat there like this, you know, beautiful carrot hanging there because, uh, you know, we came out of COVID, as you know, the Canucks have been, I believe, the hardest hit team in the entire NHL for COVID. I think it was like 24 players, you know. Plus
2: plus a bunch of staff, I think, as well. and,
1: And the head coach and everything else. So they all came out of that. And then surprised everybody by beating the Leafs, I think, back-to-back. Yeah, two, or something. two in
2: a row, I believe it was. Two, two, uh, and
1: and so everyone was like, oh, my like, God. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden the Canucks are back in the playoff hunt. And then right after beating the Leafs back-to-back, here's this four-game set with the Ottawa Senators, the lowly Ottawa Senators. And, and we thought, well, if we can grab – We had already been lights out against the Senators. So I think it was like literally, I think six, oh and one was our record against the Senators. So we thought, well, if we can grab, you know, eight points right here, we'd be right up against Montreal. But, of course, that's not what happened. <laughs> we, the, the Senators beat us in that four-game series, three games to one, and that's pretty much the season right there. Uh, but yeah. you can look back at a ton of things in this Canucks season. You can look back at losing Pedersen earlier in the season. You can look back at, oh, certainly covid Mm -hmm. And a few losing, untimely losing streaks here and there. But yeah, but yeah. And then the irony of the the Ottawa series is that, yeah, as you pointed out, instead of leaping up over Calgary and knocking on Montreal's door, we are now last in the division. (laughs) And Ottawa actually gained on us. So that is not what anyone expected. But Ottawa has actually had a pretty good uh, second half. Which yeah,
2: they, they've been hot lately. Uh, su- surprising, yeah. I'd say, more than a few.
1: Yeah, um, so a lot of people don't really like. They just say, oh, Ottawa, the lame duck of the north. But they're actually doing a lot better. And uh, so that's that's where it is. And it's disappointing, but that's, uh, that's the Canucks season. Is,
2: is there anyone on the Canucks who, to you, is having a sort of – Like a good season, despite the team's, you know, lack of success. Not
1: really, not really. Actually, I mean, you know, when we get good goaltending, there's no offense. Uh, You (laughs) know, Braden Holtby has looked good very, very, very few times. You know, against the Leafs, he was fantastic, but that's two games. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think there was a graphic that went out the other day where. It showed uh, Tyler Toffoli, who you know, who I think is somewhere around twenty-four goals or something like that, like really a great goal count, and he's making like four million a year or something like that. And then they showed this big long list of Vancouver Canucks and that and and like the the salary added up to like 24 million and then, but the goal count was like eight. <laughs> all yeah. versus one one guy player who was on the Canucks for a cup of coffee last year in the playoffs and was injured for a lot of it. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's the, just those sorts of painful comparisons haunt the Canucks all the time. Yeah. So Grant, rewinding just
3: a little bit to like last year and the run the Canucks went on um, and, and then like all the changes that they made during the off season where yeah. it seems like, you know, half the team went to Calgary. In, That's in a, right. I yeah. um, guess <laughs> like as, a, as a Canucks fan, what were your thoughts on like coming out of that season? And then you see Toffoli leave and and uh, Markstrom goes and Tanev is gone and all that stuff. Like
1: yeah, and, and like smaller parts, like Josh Levo went and he was actually a really fast Great winger who uh, had a had a I think a broken knee or something for most of last season, but you know underrated and but yeah. So anyway, uh, last year's run was awesome. It was unexpected. You know to beat the Stanley Cup champs was amazing. You know to beat the St Louis Blues and whatever it was six games was awesome. Now of course because so many people still dislike the Canucks. Uh, across the league, people are like, "Oh well, St. Louis was mailing it in, and they just wanted to go home." <laughs> I'm
2: like, "Come on, man!" You know, I thought the Canucks looked pretty good when they knocked. They were the awesome,
1: Blues. and they, they were just fantastic. And Bo Horvat was just a, a a horse in that series, and he really emerged in that series as uh, as a contender, as you know, an NHLer and a leader. You know, there were, it basically it was Bo Horvat versus Billington in that series, and Bo Horvat just, you know, I mean Billington. I mean, really, I don't even, I haven't. Be, the weird thing about the NHL this year is I've been following the North Division very close, right. and I have no idea even where the Blues are sitting this year at all. I don't, I have no idea. I don't even know. <laughs> to me, that to me. Uh, and I don't know how it's panned out this year, but that series was like goodbye Billington. Like you know, he's kind of a controversial player, and he said some nasty things. Yeah, like he's
2: bit of a bit of a dink for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and sorry just, Jordan, if you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I mean,
1: it, it didn't. It didn't. Um, I don't know how's he do. How is is he still their number one? Yeah, yeah. St- the St. Blues.
2: St. Is, they're going to make the playoffs. They they're just, just battling for that last spot in the. Okay. Or they said the central is it.
1: I uh, guess.
3: No, they're in the West, aren't they? West.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, they're fighting that was with Arizona. Awesome. And then you know, and then the the Vegas series was also a good series, but our our offense dried up. But that was the emergence of uh, Demko, and uh, mm-hmm. so as as a really incredible goalie. And you know, the the Vegas Knights to this day say that they weren't able to beat. I guess who'd they go on to face? Tampa was it? No, it was semifinal. Mm. Um, Dallas, Dallas. They had nothing against Dallas, and they they got now. It is literally a verb now. They got demcoed. Demco got in their head, and basically was like one of the most potent offenses in the NHL. Got demcoed, and it affected them in the next series, in which they made a, a relatively quick exit, and. So that was cool. So we saw the emergence of Demko. We saw the emergence of Bo Horvat. But then – and, of course, Markstrom was pretty good too. But the name that stuck on everyone's tongues after that playoff was actually Demko yeah. because, because of what we the, – the, just the incredible performance we saw against the Knights. And, and a, a series that we lost, but at times it almost feels like we won it in a weird way. Uh, <laughs> Is he – but then all the departures in the off season that that was that was really difficult to take. Uh, Toffoli probably stings the most just because of what has happened this season.
2: Yeah, he's been really good this year.
1: Yeah, Markstrom, uh, you know, I mean, he is a really great goalie, but. You know, he, there's, he's had some rough,
2: rough nights this year with the Flames. He's, he's been hit or miss. And I think with Demco, I mean, he's obviously the goalie of the future for the Canucks, so they kind of had to make the choice there. But it um, doesn't help, the you know, the hurt in the present time, I suppose. But. And
1: I think our star defenseman Quinn Hughes has suffered from uh, losing Tanov, yeah, his uh, steady Kind of veteran rock. Tanov had spent all of his years in the NHL with the Canucks, and uh, I have met him and have seen him around downtown Vancouver. And he's he's like the quietest. You would never ever even think Tanov is an is an NHL player. <laughs> he's,
2: he's got this, that long hair, and yeah,
1: he's like this long hair, quiet, sort of slacker. Sort of, <laughs> he comes off as like a total stoner. <laughs> but, you know, he's this like super elite athlete. But, you know, I'd see him basically at the same place as I'd eat lunch. You know, there's a sandwich yeah. in Vancouver called Meat and Bread. And, um, I know this hipster, you know, place where it's like they serve like meat and bread, and everyone who's working there looks like butchers from like, <laughs> gangs of new york or something <laughs> and and they're chopping up the meat and it's like you literally get meat and bread and basically their secret is just salt they just like <laughs> cover the meat in salt and you think it's really good <laughs> uh, but bali i eat there a lot it is good and but i'd always see terev and they're just you know like i shoving entire <laughs> stuff mouth.
2: so well, here's a here's a related question in a way. Then, if Tanev looks like a you know total uh, hipster style guy, and uh, are there uh, you're you're deeply ingrained in the Vancouver music scene, you know you've you're a longtime sort of stalwart of the of that whole scene, and you play rec league hockey. You're you're a goalie for the Vancouver Flying V's uh, yeah. beer league team. Are there any guys? Are there any? Are there any actual like Vancouver, uh, you know, hipster guys who are sneaky good hockey players? I believe yeah. Randy phrased it as um, any guys who can light the lamp as well as they light the doobie or something like that. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a really great question. I can give you a full rundown on that. Uh, yeah, I mean one guy who plays on our team who is an incredible. Uh, defenseman in, in an offensive defenseman who is kind of like, you know, I compare him to Paul Coffey, like he's an amazing skater. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy on our team who can, go, who can gather the puck behind me and go end to end and skate through both teams and then score top shelf. And, <laughs> and he can't do it every time. But when he does it, I go, oh, here he goes, here he goes. And I just get to sit back there and watch. And when he pots one, it's awesome. But I just love that he does it. And that's Pat Kelly, who for years and years was the host of This Is That on CBS Radio 1. Hilariously funny satirist. But he grew up in Alberta. And, you know, he took, before he, he turned to comedy... He went fairly far in in hockey, and uh, nice. he's just phenomenal. And he's he's one of those guys where you know there's some skaters where it looks like they're you know they're they're like chopping up the ice like a Sasquatch or something. And uh, he he just Pat Kelly is just smooth. He just treats the ice like. It's a. It's just he flies over top of it, and it's really great to see that. Uh, another, there's some musicians that we play against. The, there is a uh, Brent Belke, who is the longtime guitarist of uh, SNFU.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say also, that name brings a bell. Brent yeah,
1: punk man from Edmonton. He's fantastic. He plays for the Bombers. Uh, there's another guy on there from Skinny Puppy. Uh, the famous industrial goth band from Vancouver, Dave Rave. He's a very small guy, like I think probably smaller than me. And he's a defenseman on that team, like an unlikely, you know, pocket defenseman. And he's fantastic. And so those are the musicians slash comedians slash art guys that really stick out. There's one guy that's sneaky good and that's a guy named Scott Walker who uh, played.
2: The singer from the 60s?
1: No, no, he's, he's got a real common name. In fact, there was a Scott Walker on the Vancouver Canucks whose nickname was Wild Thing. And I think he went on to win a – maybe win the cup with Carolina, the first cup they won. Um, they No, they've only won one, right, Carolina? Yeah, yeah. O- 06. When Brendan Moore was the captain. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think he was on that team. Might have been a black ace. But anyway, uh, so I think he's an assistant coach somewhere in the league. But uh, there's a lot of Scott Walker's. But the, <laughs> the musical Scott Walker from Vancouver uh, used to own Boompa Records and he was in a band called the Saltines. And he's okay. just this skinny, like there isn't, there's no muscle on the guy at all. And you put him in skates. And he can score from anywhere, <laughs> like anywhere. He's a smart, smart player. And his nickname is the talker because he just, yaps at all of us all the time, usually yelling at us, but damn good hockey player. And uh, I'll mention that his dad, very sadly, uh, died on the ice as a wreck adult player. Jeez. Yeah. died of, Died of a heart attack, but doing what he loved. Yeah. Oh, but uh, that was tragic, and that happened when uh, Scott was with us on the team. He's no longer with the V's, but uh, he was great. So those are a few of the really good musicians slash artists in the in town that are great at hockey. Nice.
3: I got a couple questions about uh, about your book, "Lonely End of the Rink." So. Yeah. Uh, number one, I love how it opens. It's, you're telling this story of of being on the same airplane as, as Team Canada from the 72 Summit Series. Yeah, so, on
1: the way to Winnipeg, actually.
3: And I'm guessing at that time, like, you're quite young. Like, do you have memories That's of that, or were you too young
1: for that? I was a baby. So that series was 72. I was born in 71, so I was basically – I was, I had just turned one because I think that uh, my birthday's in July. And I think that series was August, September. And so, yeah, that was a really, uh, you know, that's one of those family stories that is endeared forever and uh, in my family. And so what happened was my family is from Winnipeg and uh, we go back every summer and we go up to clear Lake and, Nipawa. My dad was born in Nipah. And so we were doing our yearly trip to uh, Winnipeg and Clear Lake and we get to the airport and it's, I think it's like late August. And uh, back then there were no private planes and yeah. team Canada was all right there. Uh, you know, like all of the most famous hockey players of the late sixties and early seventies you know, the Esposito's and, uh, and Ken Dryden and uh, just, it was this collection of guys. And back then it was all like totally shaggy hair and long sideburns and big lapels and bell bottoms. And they were like rock stars, like total rock stars. Though I, I, they they were you know off to a rough start, so they were um, a little a little edgy with fans. But Bobby Orr was with them, and he was not playing; he was hurt, but he was going along to each game as a kind of moral
2: support. Yeah, Seriously. dressing room guy.
1: Yeah, and so we all get on the plane, same plane with with Team Canada. My parents are big. Uh, big fans and then for that summit series there was a ticket lottery system kind of like our vaccine now (laughs) you you put your name in and you might get a pair of tickets and my my mom won a pair and I think she won a pair to Winnipeg I think that might have been part of the connection I haven't read that part of the book in a long time so anyway we get on the plane and we're like right across the aisle or or right Bobby Orr is like right there and he is the biggest star at that time one of the biggest star athletes in the entire world yeah and uh he i guess was just off of a maybe a couple of cups with Boston if i'm not mistaken uh 69 maybe was his first i'm not i'm not sure and then anyway so Bobby Orr says like hey, can i hold the baby and so my my mom just like plunks.
2: And- <laughs> yeah, here uh, you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. And he, and I think like Ken Dryden's right there at Esposito. It's like the big three were right there. And so uh, back then it wasn't like instant, you know, film it, photos, this, that, and the other <laughs> thing, there's no photo evidence. There's no yeah, video yeah. evidence. Uh, it's just this story that exists in the lore of, my family. And uh, I remember they, I remember Bobby Orr saying something like here, uh, um, my parents tell this story. Like they say here, you know, to Esposito here, hold the baby, uh, you know, uh, rub the baby's head for good luck or something like that. <laughs> but then they went on to lose in Winnipeg and they went on to lose in Vancouver and in Vancouver, the team Canada got booed. Yeah. And stuff was thrown at them for losing. Well,
2: Esposito gave the big speech after that, I believe. Yeah, right?
1: that might have been a tie. There might have been a tie in there. Yeah, or maybe yeah. I was Toronto. Uh, I can't remember. But, you know, we're talking this is 50 years ago, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's my uh, summit series. They rubbed
2: your head and <laughs> uh, got good mojo from it. And then in doing so, they passed their hockey mojo to you, which you have, you know. <sighs> carried on
1: I don't know there's not a lot of it's it's hard to make any connections because of course they didn't win until deep into the series in russia yeah uh, and the russians always say that we cheated and uh you know by like playing
2: extremely dirty well bobby clark with the hack there so yeah the and end.
1: and then uh so anyway that that's a that's a contrary. you gotta do what you gotta do to win i guess so <laughs> but, i mean that is You know, that's exactly what I grapple with in my book, In the Lonely End of the Rink. is, you know, I saw those guys as I grew up and got older. I saw those guys as real hero, valiant figures. And I could never come to terms with um, the violent side of the game and and how that was seen as uh, equal parts part of the game. And we're seeing it, really like for the first time in just in the last, say, five years, we've seen it leave the game in a major way. I mean, there really are no goons left. <clears throat> yeah, there are still fights, but, you know, the goons have to be quick and they have to do something out there. Like we have a, quote, heavyweight, maybe light heavyweight, named Zach McEwen. Yeah. guy uh, the guy. And I I know that he doesn't like to fight. Like – I know he doesn't like to go out there and and duke it out. He's a super nice guy who's most of the time Instagramming, like, you know, walks with his little dog down at the beach and stuff like that. (laughs) It just doesn't seem like I can't wait to get out of the ice and pound somebody. It's just, he's, he's big. So that was something that I grappled with. And then when it really came into my consciousness was when I was in grade school and it seemed like the bullies the nastiest kids in school were the kids wearing the, the hockey jackets and sometimes were the captain of the team. And so that's something that I have grappled with really like my whole life and uh, of that, that yin-yang of hockey. Like are these valiant heroes or are they actual just like knuckle-dragging meathead bullies, you know? So that, that's I, I, still, I still battle with that. Yeah.
3: uh, Funny you mentioned that, like another part of my, a part of your book that's uh, that really resonated with me was those, those hockey games that you had at school where you have this uh, uh, you know, the, this one bully who's kind of your nemesis or, you know, the guy that you're always up against or whatever. Um, And it just kind of made me think back to the times where we were in school playing any form of hockey. If we had, didn't have sticks, we would just use our feet and use a tennis ball or whatever. And we'd have these Epic games Um, Just like, how did, how did those moments like playing hockey at school, like um, kind of transform you into like the hockey player you are today?
1: Well, what they taught me was that anything is possible in sports. And that's one of the things that I love about sports. You know, you can watch a movie and you can predict the end and you might be right. And in sports, it's just, it's never over until it's really over. Anything can happen. We've all seen it happen. Like, oh my God, you can't believe it. There's a save. Even with 10 seconds on the clock, I have seen a player go from literally one end of the ice all the way down to the other and score and mm. either tie it up or win it. I've seen that go with the Canucks, uh, Matt Cook against Calgary, uh, in the playoffs, uh, scoring with like eight seconds left and he, and the play, the face-off is at the other end. And it's just something you can't predict. I've seen Fedorov score on the Canucks with one second left and the, the, and the face-off is outside the blue line. I mean, you know, crazy things can happen and you have to be on your game until the very end. And so in those ball hockey games, the way they would shape up in my school was it was – basically always the jocks versus the quote unquote losers of the nerds. And I was the goalie for the losers and the nerds and the losers and the nerds were like the immigrant kids, kids that wore glasses, kids that were small uh, kids that were gimpy. And uh, you know, it was like my, my goalie tandem back then was me and a kid that just Arrived from Iran uh, during pr- the revolution, and his name was Uman uh, Al Gabi, and his first name was spelled H U M A N. Oh, like human? Yeah, human. So <laughs> yeah. we just called him human. You know, even though it was pronounced Uman, yeah. so we never we just called him human. And that that guy is still my friend to this day, and uh, he is a great guy, and I I really value our friendship but we bonded by trading out and back then we would trade out in net did basically who was the worst injured (laughs) we play with a tennis ball but almost no protective equipment so you get beamed in the face or beamed in the balls or whatever hacked uh you know sticks across the forearms but i learned that we could win and we could beat the jocks and it wasn't Uh, it was like one in 10, but on that one game that we would beat the jocks, it would be like the greatest celebration. And we would be like hugging and rolling around on each other. And we would take it into the classroom and the teacher would be like, (laughs) Hey, calm down. And we would, we would rub it in the jocks faces as hard as we could. And they'd be like, you know, like, I can't believe it. How do we let that happen? And they would be chewing themselves up. You know, they'd be giving each other crap. Uh, and we would love it. Like, I mean, I would, I would spend, like, I remember coming uh, coming in and I was so inspired by our sort of Bad News Bears team that I, drew, I wish I still had this drawing. I think about it all the time. I drew every one of our players. Nice. You know, in, in a full... Picture, and then I drew the jocks and made very um, unflattering. And, uh, and, and so, so it was bonding. And and so, I realized that like no matter what team you take the ice with, there is always a chance to win because the other team. You never know what how their goalie's is going to be. You never know what's going to happen when you throw the puck on the net. Uh, there's there's always a chance and mm-hmm. as long as you try hard and you don't give up that's the key if you if you if you if you go all right it's over you got to go for it right to the very end and you know that there's a game within a game like even if it's nine nothing the game is break the shutout you know yeah. and, and and there you can take a little kernel of victory or, or whatever, uh, or a little bit of satisfaction. Well, we broke the shutout. There's you always have to look for something to celebrate, and so that's what I learned getting pummeled by those jocks <laughs> over and over and over and over again.
2: Yeah, looking for the little victories that you can, yeah, yeah. And
1: sometimes I, they turn into big victories
2: totally 100%. So we are, uh, we're running out of time, but, but Grant, I've got um, some Vancouver Canucks trivia for you. You're wearing your flying V Canucks Jersey. Uh, What's I I noticed the number on the back, which, what do you got on the back? It's
1: Dennis Kearns number six.
2: Nice. I, uh, I'm going to not going to lie. I'm not familiar with Dennis Kearns.
1: I believe if I'm not mistaken, Dennis Kearns was The Canucks' first ever draft pick. Okay. When we entered the league. And that's another horrible Canucks story.
2: (laughs) Um, Well, he's not part of my Canucks trivia. Okay. But I do have some Canucks trivia for you. So do you mind if uh, I, I know that you fancy yourself a bit of a trivia master?
1: Uh, well, I am the trivia master, but that's usually when I'm controlling the
2: questions. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if we can stump the trivia master here with okay. some Vancouver Canucks trivia. Um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll start. I'll lob some, soft, some softballs or what I maybe. I just Googled some questions here right. or some facts. But so who was the first player to have his number retired by the Vancouver Canucks?
1: Dan Smeal, number 12. Ding, 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 ding. I wear number 12 on the Vancouver Flying Vs in honor of Stan Smeal.
2: Nice, I was gonna ask why number 12? It's a weird number for a goalie, but-
1: I know, and my my teammates don't like it, but uh, (laughs) Stan Smeal was that little, like uh, Bo Horvat is very very much a Stan Smeal type character, built like a fire hydrant. And they, they just go, 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 go. And they go through anybody and anything. And that was Stan Smeal. All right lunch then. bucket.
2: Um, okay, so uh, who was the first captain of the Vancouver Canucks?
1: Orland Curtainback.
2: Ding, ding, ding. This guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> two for two, yeah. Orland Curtainback, that's a heck of a name. It um, is, and he's still around,
1: and he yeah. still goes to the alumni games and hangs out and is at the captain ceremonies. And when we just made Bo Horvath captain, Orland was there.
2: Nice, nice. I'm, I'm compiling uh, a list of, like, great hockey names. I'm adding Orland Curtin back to it. <laughs> my my favorite
1: is uh, – one of my favorites is Shattenkirk. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> it, it, like, it combines Captain Kirk and William yeah. Wagner like (laughs) what are the chances of that kind of pop culture name like like, when I heard that it like blew my mind
2: (laughs) (laughs) so good okay here's another one um uh, here's a true or false no wait uh no I'll go with a goalie one here because uh you're a goalie which goalie had the Vancouver Canucks first ever shutout I'll give you a multiple choice was it a Dunk Wilson b John Garrett or c Glenn Hanlon holy
1: smokes well i'm going to have to i mean Glenn Hanlon was like in the into the late 80s early 90s um so couldn't be him John Garrett was mid 80s. I'm going to go with that first
2: goalie, Dunk Wilson. Yeah, correct. Yeah, in 71 72, which. Yeah, the first might, season. Might he have must, been. Yeah, their first season. Yeah. He must
1: have been the backup
2: yeah he um he had some of that classic 70s hair he had like a real <laughs> bob you know
1: <laughs> so they're so ugly
2: <laughs> wearing that flying v's jersey i guess probably too well, that back in
1: that season it was the uh oh the the, the rink the hockey stick
2: yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this one that we um, yeah 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 the we flying were. v's yeah nice um okay so going back to that very first Canuck season. Who was the team's first opponent and did they win?
1: The team's first opponent was the LA Kings and they did not win. I think it was 4-1 LA.
2: Wow. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Ring that bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay. We will go with uh, let's, I got two more for you. Okay. Who was the first Canuck to score a playoff overtime goal.
1: Oh man. Uh I know the first Canuck who, who scored the first playoff winning goal was Gary Monahan. Uh the first can you repeat the question?
2: Yeah. Who was the first Canuck to score a playoff overtime goal?
1: Playoff overtime goal. I am going to go with Thomas Gradeen.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. That's the sound of a wrong answer. Okay, who was um, it? The answer Dave Tiger Williams. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> According oh. to Google, I'm not. <laughs> wow, that's amazing.
1: Well, Dave, so it was in that same era of Gradeen. Gradeen was the pure Swedish scorer. Yeah. But uh, t- Dave Tiger Williams was a really great, I mean, he'd score like 35 goals a year and lead the entire league in penalty minutes.
2: I, th- I think he's the all time penalty minute leader.
1: Yeah, and from 40 years ago. <laughs> so, but the amazing thing with him is if you add up the amount of time he spent in the penalty box, his on ice production was incredibly high. For the lack of time, the lack of ice time he actually had. He spent most of the game in the box. (laughs) Basically, you put him out on the ice and he would either fight or score. (laughs) And it was his goal totals and points were amazing. Yeah.
2: For good advanced stats. What do you call that? Corsi or? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, absolutely. (laughs) Like the the time spent on ice versus goals was through the roof for him amazing okay that's a, that's a great great trivia question
2: okay we've got one last trivia question this one may be a little objective who has the best mustache in vancouver canucks franchise history is it dave snaps or sorry dave Babbage or harold snaps
1: oh okay you'd only think, you know gary or Mon-
2: or wild like whichever uh, Go off, off the, the card
1: board. yeah off yeah gary board. monahan was a real swashbuckler for the vancouver canucks uh, real handsome guy Uh, And he had a really amazing handlebar mustache. But the most famous mustache in Vancouver Canucks history is Dave Babich. Uh, So I will give it to him on his 1,000th game. They gave Dave Babbage a boat, and they brought the boat out onto the ice. And while they were distracting, these days there's nothing like that, I don't think. (laughs) But um, while they were distracting him with a boat, the entire team lined up behind him, and they all put on fake black (laughs) mustaches. That's
2: amazing.
1: Turned around, there was that sight gag um, of of that. So there you go. So uh, so I got like one out of I got like five out of six
2: there. Yeah, yeah. I think you only got the one wrong. So. Yeah, make sure to, uh, you know, celebrate extra. (laughs) And actually, so you sent us a song, uh, a couple song selections. uh, Handsome Brothers, uh, which song did we? Oh, Get It uh, Right Back? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: all right and it's coming on. You got to get right back to where we started from. That's a Motown song, but it is... Synonymous with Iron League hockey. Yeah, Yeah, isn't that
3: isn't that song in Slapshot? It is. It's like, and they play it
1: repeatedly.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I forget who. It reminds me
3: of the bus, the bus trips in Slapshot.
4: That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. With the the Pep Club or whatever. Yeah, the Booster Club. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: it's an amazing song, and the Hanson Brothers version of it is really, really great.
2: Coming up here, so the other song you uh, requested, which we'll go out on here. Is uh, the Riverdale's "Blood on the Ice"? Tell us about this one.
1: Yeah, so uh, back in the like late nineties, early two thousands, I I was my band, the Smugglers, were on was on Lookout Records, and one of our label mates uh, was a guy named Ben Weasel from a band called Screeching Weasel, and he had formed a side project called the Riverdale's, and they were kind of all about leather jacket kind of Archie nostalgia, and punk rock, and they had put out this song "Blood on the Ice." I'm like, what? Is this about hockey? And it turned out that Ben Weasel was a huge fan of the Chicago Wolves. No way. Oh, yeah, okay. not the Blackhawks, but the Wolves. And uh,
2: but he's a Chicago guy, I think, he isn't is he? He's yeah. he?
1: He's from Chicago Prospect Hills or something like that. And and so he was this huge Chicago Wolves fan and he would go down there and see all the games. And he even he started a fanzine, a Chicago Wolves <laughs> fanzine, called blood on the ice. And the ownership didn't like it because but but I think in the minor league, promoting fighting was a lot more accepted than in the NHL. And so uh, eventually blood on the ice became, I believe, if I'm, I mean, this is, we're going back 20 years or something, but I think, uh, Blood on the ice became the Chicago Wolves' short lived theme song, right <laughs> on. but they had some big, they, they were known at that time around the late 90s, early 2000s as kind of a thug team, yeah, a real hard knuckle team. And so, uh, they uh, the, that that song just kind of went part and parcel with the Chicago Wolves, but it's a great, pop. yeah huck rock song and it goes back a long time. And so, yeah, thought thought, thought we would play it.
2: Perfect. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. It was a real pleasure to have you and talk some hockey with you. And uh, yeah,
1: thank you, Randy. You know, thank you, Tom. Uh, go Jets.
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, go Canucks, even though, you know, and the, end the season on a happy note, I guess, right. Give this, give the fans something to cheer for
1: yeah i guess so thanks for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right all right thank you grant thanks for joining us and uh thank you for tuning in today everyone to talking hockey the hockey talking show make sure to keep your stick on the ice and check your lie always get pucks deep quick shifts you know that's the way to go uh tune in next time here is the riverdales with blood on the ice